Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Soft, with your host, Daryl Prail. Join us as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Welcome, folks. It's another edition of Inside, Inside Sales. My name is Daryl Pearl. I'm your host, the only podcast out there that talks on the tactics, just the specifics, the, the downright practical, pragmatic takeaways for today's sales development professional. We don't talk strategy. We don't talk vision. We don't talk big picture. We just talk practical advice. And and I love that because that means every single episode we have another interesting guest and we have another interesting lesson learned. Today's uh, episode, it's an interesting one, folks. And I got to admit, it's something I've not actually heard a lot of anywhere else. But in today's politically charged climate, where we're seeing more and more division between, shall we say, a left point of view and a right point of view, between a liberal bias or a conservative bias, it's never been more relevant. What I'm talking about today is ethics. I'm talking about the ethics of sales. And yet I understand the decisions we make when we engage with a prospect as we try to pursue them through the sales process to ultimately close them, it has consequences if your ethics are a little loose. And the consequences fall down upon you. So I thought it was never more relevant as we talk about the day-to-day activities of being a sales professional to kind of visit this topic. And to do this, let me introduce you to Andrew, or as we like to call him Andy, Rudin. How you doing, Andy? Great. Great, Daryl. Now, a little background on Andy, just so you guys have some context. He is the managing principal of Contrary Domino. Don't you love the name, Contrary Domino? A Virginia-based revenue strategy consulting firm. He has over 30 years of experience marketing, selling IT hardware, software, professional services. He actually develops revenue generation strategies, and he advises companies on sales governance and risk compliance. So what I'm really getting at here is here's a sales professional just like you, his expertise is about risk and compliance. And a big part of that is ethics. So we're having fun. I'm kind of calling this episode is lying the new normal because I think that seems pertinent. With that, you and I hooked up and we had a, a whole conversation on LinkedIn as a precursor to this. Then we talked live one-on-one as we wanted to make sure we frame this conversation because this, this can be a, a heavy topic. It can be a controversial topic. It can be an opinionated topic. Talk to me about your experience in this arena and why this is a passion for you. It's a passion for me because I have been a salesperson for many years, and I understand that there are many conflicts that salespeople encounter in day-to-day activity. And it's not necessarily, well, this person is good and that person is bad. It's really a matter of, well, how do we bring our values to our selling situations and make sure that we do 
what we feel is best according to our values. So that's the first thing I'd like to debunk is when you hear the word ethical, you think, oh, okay, this is a moral play and they're going to preach to me about what's right, what's wrong, what I should do, uh, what Jim or Jennifer do that's they're so great, but gee, I seem to make bad decisions. Instead, it's really a matter of taking the values that I bring to work every day and making sure that I hold true to those. And for that reason, it's, it's a passion for me because I recognize sales organizations often don't cultivate that type of conversation. We're very deterministic. We're focused on revenue. We have singular outcomes. No matter what, make your number, make goal. And we don't allow room for conversations that are a little more nuanced. And it's true to what you say about we're focused on goal and we don't necessarily know the nuances because the only nuance we need to know in many environments is did you hit goal or not? And if not, why not? Combined with what do you mean you could have closed that deal if you would have done this or done that? You should have done this. I mean, the conversation starts off, is it about, you know, my ethics or my values? But the reality is, is we're strongly influenced by the environment we sit in on the leadership that surround us and, shall we say, the consequences of our decisions. And if I really, truly need this job, maybe I'm a little more flexible on what I deem to be an ethical conundrum or a moral judgment or not. In your experience, when you talk to people about this, how do you address that? Because one person's ethical dilemma is another person's, it's just business. Yeah, exactly. And that's why when you hear somebody say, oh, we'll never lie, or salespeople should never lie, or a half-truth is the same as a lie, or lying is never acceptable, that is a huge disservice to a sales organization because that's actually not how things come down. So the real challenge is how do you keep true to your own sense of, of ethics and not to just readily assume, oh, well, I'm going to do something bad or improper or that somebody else tends to make better ethical choices and I need to follow what they say, but rather understanding that anytime you're in a selling situation, you will encounter issues that will challenge your values. It's just a given. It's not unusual. Therefore, you shouldn't be surprised when you encounter it and you should be prepared for what to do. So those situations might be, well, how do you represent your product's capabilities or your your company's capabilities? The job of sales is all about persuasion. You can't persuade without distorting something. So where do you draw the line? And that's something that I recommend to people don't look for it on a list or somebody else's 10 commandments, thou shalt not. And then this long list of things about what you're not going to say, what you are going to say, what you're not going to say, but rather how do you keep true to your own sense of fair play, fairness, values, and so forth. And that's really, I think, a much more pragmatic approach than saying, oh, well, I'm probably going to do the wrong thing. So I need to follow what, uh, what my boss tells me. On the drive-in today, I was kind of thinking to myself, what's a good example that I can use to convey just how ethics permeates our everyday buying tendencies as a consumer, whether it's a B2B consumer, B2C consumer, as well as, you know, the counter, which is the actual sales organization that sells the product or the service to the consumer. And this is what I kind of came up with. Tell me what you think. I've had this happen numerous times recently and over my life where people say, we're looking to buy a car. We're not buying new. 
we're going to buy used. Can you recommend a dealership? And whenever that conversation takes place, the implication is never about customer service or products. It's every single time is, is that dealer going to screw me over? Is the car going to be as represented? Will I get a fair price? And I thought to myself, I mean, that is my experience every single time. So in the end, what they're really asking me is, can you refer me to an ethical car dealership? Is that something that resonates with you? Oh, sure. And I think a lot, a lot of times the, uh, the angst is placed on the salesperson or the blame is placed on the salesperson. So you, you encounter a situation like that as a customer. And something happens, you say, you know, I don't think they're telling me the full truth. They're not giving me the best price. They're not telling me every issue that I might encounter with this car. The deeper issue is when you look at those kinds of practices, I can almost 100% of the time point to an organization that put the salesperson up to those types of tactics and approaches. It's it's not to say occasionally there isn't a rogue person that is is going to act completely contrary to what the, the company asks them to do or how they want them to represent themselves. But quite often, there's pressure on that salesperson in the case of a car dealership. It would be to make a monthly number, and they're going to act accordingly. So that really goes back to the organization, and it says uh, really the question you have to ask is, what's the goal for that salesperson, and are they – placed by their job in a conflicted situation. That's something that is very difficult for a customer to ferret out because, of course, we're not very transparent about how salespeople are paid and how they're motivated and incented. So one of the things with the explosion of social media and cable news 24-7 and everybody having real-time notifications on their smartwatches and on their smartphones and everything else, you know, we're very wired. But let me ask you this. Perception is that I've seen a, a corrosion in ethics, but perhaps I'm just misinformed. And the status today is the status that it's always been. I just am more aware of it now. Are we seeing a corrosion in our ethics? Ethical problems and value challenges have always been there. I think the news has enabled these issues to be spread much more quickly and for us to to learn about them much more quickly, I, I don't think Wells Fargo would have been quite as uh, public had there not been social media and televised trials of the congressional inquiry on the president and CEO of, of Wells Fargo. But I think these issues have always occurred. They're timeless. We have a sales goal, and, and our objective as salespeople is to, to persuade others to buy and we are in a position where we have an asymmetry of information. We've got more information than our customers do, contrary to what you hear where they say, oh, customers have more power than ever. We have tremendous power as sellers, and that's always existed. So I think these issues about ethics and when you hear about scams and customers not getting the value that they thought they were getting or wanted to get or thought they paid for, those have always existed. But the uh, social media, as you point out, has has made that information far more available than it ever was. Do you think it's gotten worse? It more, it's, is it more allowed, more permissible now to utilize ethical value judgments that are less than stellar? Yeah, I don't think organizations have really caught up. I think there's a lot of 
old school thinking and I think sales cultures still put salespeople in positions where they are faced, ultimately faced with a conflict. I, this month, do I make my number or do I do the right thing for my customer? And that is something that is now we bring up that issue now on this conversation and we think, well, of course you, you want to do the right thing for your customer. Why, why would you ever deceive them, deliberately deceive them? And yet this is the way sales cultures are still run. No matter what, make your number. I don't care how you make your number as long as you make it. I heard this. This was, this was done in many sales meetings where, where I uh, participated. And I don't think organizations have caught up with that. To your question, I think it probably has expanded. Now there's a greater awareness when you talk about corporate social responsibility and ethical conduct and especially regulation like the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and so forth. When people run afoul of these guidelines and and rules and regulations, laws, then it makes big news. All right. So if you can relate to what Andy references here is about how perhaps it's gotten a little worse and it's a little more uh, consequential, and you can relate to that firsthand, then uh, stay tuned. When we come back after this little brief commercial break, we're going to talk about how to recognize when you are in an ethical challenge and what you can do about it. Stay tuned. We're right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing-qualified leads into sales-qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. All right, so let's carry on the conversation. We know it's a real issue. We know it's always been around, but we know it's getting worse. And we also know it's actually underreported. You talk about how social media has made people, you know, they've disclosed it now because they kind of have to, but it is truly underreported. Is that changing? Is it, is there, are people now coming clean more often or is it society is forcing us open? In other words, I mean, I would think that would make us even more vulnerable to the consequences because now the herd wants. I think organizations are still very, very restrictive when it comes to ethical conversations and especially being safe for whistleblowers. So you hear about situations like just came up recently with the American Express foreign exchange. It was the sales force or more uh, precisely, it was specific sales reps who called out that practice that American Express was putting out teaser rates for new prospects and then raising them without informing them. And it was the sales force that was that was bringing that out. It wasn't safe for them to do that, but they did it. It was a very brave move. I think today most organizations don't encourage that type of candor. They don't want that information to get out. And for that reason, companies are extremely at risk, extremely vulnerable to 
underhanded or what I would, would call very highly manipulative sales practices because they don't encourage their sales force to, to bring, to put any light on them. All right. So let's get into kind of the pragmatic. How do I, as a sales professional, recognize when I'm about to enter into an ethical dilemma? What, what is taking place? What are the different scenarios you can paint for me that might help me recognize when I could be in troubled waters? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's fundamental to helping uh, an individual sales rep manage the problem. And the first is anytime you take a position in a company, it doesn't matter what the company is. If you're in a revenue generation role, you will encounter situations that will challenge your sense of values. As I, as I mentioned that before. So, Preparation is probably the biggest thing that you can do to, to uh, head that off. The second thing is to really understand you've got to go in and understand what your own values are and your personal values are your work values. And you shouldn't compartmentalize them and say, Oh, well, I believe in fairness and, and respect and empathy. I believe that at home. But when I get, when I get to work, it's all about making my number. Those values that you have as a human being, as a person, those come with you to work. So you, you have to have those and you've got to be prepared. This happens as you mature or as you extend your sales career, you start to encounter more of an inventory. Okay. My boss asked me to go pick up my competitor's proposal off the customers or off of my prospect's desk. Most people would say, well, that's, that's not really fair. You have to start compiling an inventory of those issues and say, how would I respond? in my new company if that was requested of me, for example, or if I was asked to say, oh, yeah, we have this software feature, but it's actually not fully ready for market. It's a um, what I call a Hollywood set. It's just a small function, but we want the customer to believe that it's fully embedded in our product. Then you have to ask yourself, how would I respond? There is a way to respond that conforms to your values, but you've got to be prepared to do that. Not everybody is as capable because we're all human with our own biases and our own capabilities, uh, shall we say, to put ourselves in the, the buyer's shoes. Am I perhaps misleading the buyer? And how would I feel about that if I was misled? So are there other signs? In other words, if my employer came to me and said, I understand your prospect wants feature A and we don't really have feature A, instead sell them on feature B or discredit feature A, is that an ethical dilemma? Or if they say, I know they want feature A. Tell them we have feature A and just show them some some vaporware, you know, some smoke and screen and move on to overcome that objection. You know, at what point do I say this is an ethical challenge? Yeah, sure. I've encountered that scenario before as well. Uh, We don't have feature B, but by the time this prospect is ready to buy, it won't be until Q2 next year. We will have the feature so you can say that we have it. Well, what has been the track record of your company in delivering updates is it's not just a software issue it can be extended into to other products as well, physical products, but you have to think about, okay, have they delivered over X percent of the time, say 95% of the time. And I can pretty well say that's good as gold. If engineering tells me it's going to be delivered Q2, it'll be delivered Q2. Then you might feel comfortable in saying that, but if the track record is spotty, you may have to say time out. I can't commit to that because that doesn't conform with how I do business. And the nice part about it is when you really do exercise your values, 
you don't have to necessarily be bulletproof or totally logical. You say, this is not the way I do things. That is unassailable. That's not the way I do things. So you can present it that way rather than just saying, well, I'm not doing it or I think you're wrong to ask me that. You don't want to get into that type of discussion. I'm right. You're wrong. Just this is not how I do it. The other part I, I just wanted to add about the sales culture is it's vital that organizations get out of the conversation where they're telling salespeople stop whining, uh, just move on. And then a lot of times getting into edicts and say, well, you just are never lie. That's unacceptable. You have to get out of that mindset because that closes off the conversation. And that is really what makes it very dangerous to bring out ethical issues. When you tell sales reps in a meeting, oh, stop your whining, what's going to happen? They're not going to speak up. That's really fatal. So what about the sales professional who's sitting out here listening to this podcast right now and saying, but I'm the primary breadwinner for my family. I can't lose this deal. Does that justify an ethical lapse? Like, how do you handle that? How do you respond to that? Because that is the ultimate dilemma. Do I worry about me? Do I worry about prospect at the expense of me? That's a great question. And like many things in, in ethics or value discussions, there's, there's more than one answer and there aren't easy answers. My recommendation is to recognize it right up front to the extent possible. So for example, in the case of American Express foreign exchange, if you follow that case, I won't go into all the detail now, but I went online and I looked at their requisition, their hiring requisition for that job. It was quite public that the sales force was asked to engage in some very underhanded practices. And I looked at the uh, the requisition. It was all about revenue. If you looked at it, you would say, oh, my gosh, this place is a total pressure cooker. All they want is revenue, revenue, more revenue and more growth. Some jobs actually telegraph that. The hiring manager will telegraph that in the interview. If you sense that that is what they're about, revenue over anything else, that's probably going to be a toxic environment and the, the idea or the best thing to do is avoid it. The second thing that the sales rep has some control over is to have money put away. They call it in a, in a great book that I just read called Giving Voice to Values. They call it go to hell money. So you have to have a certain amount of money. If you think you need three months to find a job, then double it and have six months of ready assets that you can say, you know what? I've got to walk away from this because I can't uh, reconcile what I'm being asked to do versus what my sense of values are. Those are two of the best preventions I can think of for avoiding that situation. And then, of course, the third one, as I mentioned, is understand what your values are and to Make sure that you know how to rehearse that conversation. You haven't maybe not encountered a situation, but you should be prepared what to do when something comes up that doesn't agree with how you do things. So I guess the final question I'll put out there, you give us some great advice on how to handle a lot of the, the challenge of the ethics, which is a lot of it's just proactive. Avoid it before it happens in the first place. Have a financial plan, have the scrutiny of uh, understanding what you're getting into. That involves social proof. That involves talking to the employer before you take the job. That involves doing some background checks. Do the research, guys. This is what you do. But what if the boss comes to you and says, do this or you're fired? That's a great question. And it would be very easy for me to say from where I am now, uh, well, you just quit. What I recommend is instead of saying, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm right, you're wrong, 
you look at it and you say, here are the problems that I recognize with what you're asking me to do. Here are the potential outcomes if I do that, not just to me personally, but here's what it means to the organization. It's going to, it's going to upend our brand. It's going to corrode our reputation. It could get us into a legal issue with this client and to look at it more as uh, I, I guess the term is to triangulate the problem. So you say, look, we're all in favor of achieving our strategic goals. We're all in favor of our company being successful. Here are the issues that I see. And so now you're holding a, a different conversation instead of saying, I won't do this. Here are the consequences. And you're also demonstrating that you're taking more of a business view of the of the challenge rather than uh, a, a strictly moral argument where somebody might feel threatened and say, well, he's just trying to tell me that I'm I'm not being fully upfront with the customer. And then people can get very defensive in that situation. So that's where I I say look at it more of a, as a business challenge and then bring up what those issues are and try to find a, a middle ground. So there you have it, guys. Andy uh, is an expert at developing revenue generation strategies, as we mentioned, but even more so, he does a lot of work advising companies on sales, governance, risk, and compliance, which is sometimes code for ethics. So if you need that help at your organization, if that's something your team can benefit from, then give Andy a shout. Yeah, there's many ways to get in touch. I'm on LinkedIn. ContraryDomino.com is the website that also has my uh, coordinates and happy to hold a discussion with anybody who wants to cover this topic or anything on sales strategy, marketing strategy, business development, anything, even sports or dogs. Even sports or dogs. How can you top that exit? I love it. All right, so check him out. Andy Rudin, ContraryDomino.com. He's great on LinkedIn. He's just as good on Twitter. Give him a shout. Give him a follow. And uh, don't hesitate to engage this man in conversation because he is worth your time. Thank you, Andy. I've enjoyed having you here today. And everybody else, if you enjoyed today's episode, there's more at Inside Inside Sales by going to InsideInsideSales.com. Until the next episode, my name is Daryl Prale. We're out of time here, folks. I had a blast. And that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of Inside Inside Sales. In the meantime, you take care, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by VanillaSoft.